Welcome to Fragments of Blue. Join Grace and Laura each week as they discuss the power of Scripture to guide us through life's complexity into a greater love of God. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Grace. And I'm Laura. And today we're getting theological. Uh, we're dealing with the nature of forgiveness. And this is this is a heavy topic and this may be a long topic. Um, so we may be doing this in two parts. So stay tuned for the next one. But Grace and I have kind of been feeling that this is a topic that's in the air and is so central to our faith that it really deserves some solid fleshing out. There's been a documentary that's recently been done called The American Gospel, Christ Crucified, and that basically deals with this whole issue of forgiveness and does God require payment for the forgiveness of sins? Doesn't he just forgive? And in our reading, I've come across blogs that ask the question, um, well, one, actually, I'm going to read it. It said, uh, since when are there conditions for unconditional love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness? Is God's forgiveness of a lesser sort than ours? And then in youth group, even, I had uh, one of my students ask the question, like, like, can't God just forgive? I can. Why does he require for, uh, a payment that seems like he makes the rules? He's God. Can he overlook things? And so this seems to be a question that's very much in the air. And it's complicated and it's totally worth looking at because I think some of these discomforts are legitimate. And they arise um, from a lot of, I think they're culturally informed a, a lot of times, but they definitely, I think, deserve a good look. I really actually enjoyed looking into this, even though I didn't have loads of time to do a lot of research. There was one article that I came up across in um, Stanford Education's Encyclopedia. You always stuff. have the academic articles. No, I don't. I always feel like Laura does. <laughs> like, uh, I just keep finding these things online when I'm researching. And I just thought it was really interesting the way it looked at what is forgiveness versus justification versus condoning something. Um, and it just kind of broke them down in really interesting ways. But what the article was saying is that implicit in forgiveness is wrongdoing. There is actually wrongdoing done. Whereas with, with um, condoning something, the assumption is there isn't the, the thing that you are calling wrongdoing isn't actually wrongdoing. And then in justification, there is a wrongdoing that has been made right. So there's differences there. Whereas forgiveness is a, a wrongdoing that you yourself couldn't make right. And that's why you need forgiveness. Right. There's no undoing it or mm -hmm. explaining it so that it looks good when it, yeah. it, it's, it simply needs to be, grace needs to be offered. Right. Or there's no yeah. changing the actual deed, the and nature so, of the deed. That's what I find so amazing about God's forgiveness is that it's held in tandem with his justification. And I remember the first time when when I really looked at that verse that I knew from childhood that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those two absolutely have to go together. Yes, God forgives and he will forgive your wrongdoing, which you cannot put right. And he forgives that because there is also the justification that he's done on your behalf. And those things have to work together for God's forgiveness and his grace to be um, present in your life. I think this is part of the confusing thing about fleshing this out in salvation is because Christ's work on the cross accomplished so many things at once 
that you kind of feel like, what do you mean? He, he made us right now. We're holy. Like, like some, what's atonement? What's, what's justification? What's just forgiveness? What is paying? And there's so many different metaphors used to describe salvation that the nature of it can be hard to flesh out. And I think there needs to be some honesty about saying, okay, the Bible doesn't give a list of doctrines of salvation. It's not simple or clear cut. And yet it is very simple, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't doctrines are extrapolated by us from scripture. Yeah. So I think sometimes part of the thing, part of what offends some people when we're talking about Christian doctrines is they're like, how did you get that from the Bible? Like the Bible doesn't speak about it that way. And we're trying to explain what the Bible says, but it never actually does say it quite this way. So it's not going to be as, as ah, I guess the Bible doesn't have a statement of faith. Right? It isn't clear cut. The whole thing is this. Yes, you have to take it as a whole. So, whenever we're discussing these things about forgiveness and what is salvation, we're taking individual verses and and whole context, whatever, and we're trying to take out something to simplify it for for ourselves, Mm -hmm. understanding that the truth of it is richer. Yeah. And more complicated and more simple than that. <laughs> so this this talking about forgiveness is going to f- maybe sometimes feel a little crudely put, perhaps. Yeah. But I think it is necessary to have some of those things to hold on to. These st- statements of faith yeah. are um, helps to us. Mm-hmm. There's some people that say, oh, I just have a harder time forgiving. I really struggle with it. I do think that some of that is that there's the idea that you're not, it's not true forgiveness. They want justification. Do you know what I mean? Or they want, they just want the the wrongdoing to actually be made right. Yes. And sometimes there are situations when a wrongdoing cannot be put right. Yeah. Not by the person that wronged you. Yeah. And so forgiveness, we're borrowing from the justification that Christ did on the cross. We're, We're, when we need that forgiveness, we're actually using, it's his justification that makes us right yeah in right standing so this is where we get into like a a mixing of terms so i I was looking up the definition of forgiveness Mm -hmm. and forgiveness is where according to the dictionary (laughs) a person does not require the payment for something Mm -hmm. of a someone else so to me this is this did raise the question okay is god forgiving us because he still required a payment Mm -hmm. so this is where i think people are having trouble they're like that's not forgiveness then. Yeah. If if God is still saying someone has to pay, then is that forgiveness at all? Yeah. And so this kind of got us talking and we kind of realized that there are two. Th- well, first of all, someone always pays. There's mm-hmm. never a, a wrongdoing or an offense against someone where a payment isn't made. And this can be a little bit difficult to, I think, to envision because we can see it simply when when someone steals $100 for us. We know that payment for that would be to give the $100 back. Yeah. But when you commit a sin against someone, the payment for that is an act of punishment. Or in the case of God, that that is his wrath. The payment is his wrath because we can't give back righteousness. If we sin against God, there's no taking that back. Like you said, there's some things that can't fix it. The right payment is the bearing of wrath. So the the thing that I think helped me to kind of explain the idea of forgiveness is God does not require the payment of sin of us, of those who who repent, but the payment is still felt. The wonderful thing is he agreed in himself to bear it. So it's true. 
forgiveness did cost something and that the payment was still there. You could say that like the the hundred dollars was still lost to someone. Like if someone stole a hundred dollars and wasn't able to retrieve it, you could still forgive that person, but you would have been down a hundred bucks. That totally is still gone, but you, you paid the price for that. And so I think we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. The payment was still required of someone. The glorious thing is that he agreed to bear his own wrath and both the father and the son voluntarily entered into that. Yeah. And I don't, have you read Paradise Lost? A long time ago. Yeah. Well, at the <laughs> beginning, recently. after um, after there is the the fall, yeah. or before the fall happens, but they can like God is describing what's going to happen. There's a conversation between the Son and the Father, mm-hmm. and they both agree, and it's this coming to agreement. I will bear the punishment for this. But the key thing is, is God truly is forgiving because the payment isn't expected of us. Mm-hmm. So I think that is where you can technically truly say. God does forgive yeah. those who repent and and the cost is instead taken mm-hmm. from Christ. Yeah. Because of his justification. And that's where grace comes in. So it's actually, there's forgiveness, justification, and grace all working together interconnectedly to provide us with this forgiveness that yeah. doesn't cost us. Yes. So he's done what's necessary for justification to occur. Mm-hmm. And then he forgives because actually, if he didn't forgive... That justification is pointless. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That payment is ridiculous to pay Mm -hmm. for something. And it was, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, about the standing. So I, in this Stanford article, Dora laughs because we had a big talk about sounding pretentious. And I really (laughs) hate the idea of sounding pretentious, which reading Stanford articles probably sounds. But it was interesting to just read. um, It was talking about how not just anyone can forgive a wrongdoer. The the wrong, the standing that you have to have in that situation is that the wrong was committed against you. And if the wrong wasn't committed against you, there's nothing for you to forgive. But that's the amazing thing is that all sin is a wrong, not just against a person necessarily that you've sinned against, but it's also always a sin against God. Yes, I think that's so why this... Yeah, feels so difficult for so many people mm-hmm. is because ultimately these questions about forgiveness and how can God require payment? Does he really want blood to be shed in order yeah. for someone to be forgiven? It really hinges on what you think of God. Mm-hmm. And this idea of God standing to me was such an interesting explanation because we have had sin done against us, yeah. but I think, you know, we feel it pretty closely. But I don't think we can really understand what it's like to be God and be the one that sins are ultimately and firstly done against. Mm-hmm. We, it's, it's really hard to feel yeah. that. But to me, that, that you're, um, you're reading there was really fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I found it really interesting. And just the idea, like I had this conversation with someone before I'd read this article and he was saying like, why? Like, okay, I can understand that God would forgive them, but why do I have to forgive them? And actually, it just reminded me of the story in the Bible with the king that forgave a lot and then the the, the servant, the servant the that didn't servant. forgive the lesser servant than himself that yeah. owed lesser money. And how we definitely have sinned against God ourselves. And he's saying, I am forgiving you. I am forgiving them. That is my choice. And for you to have the forgiveness that I offer, 
My requirement is that you forgive others that sinned against you the way I'm forgiving you. That's his just, that's his requirement. And it's mm-hmm. fair, actually. And it is just because the cross covered both our sins. Right. So for me to say, I accept your forgiveness, God, I am not willing to forgive, then why would he offer forgiveness to me who is not willing to to extend the grace mm-hmm. that he's given myself? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make sense, actually. Yeah. In our own personal experiences of forgiveness, mm-hmm. we kind of begin to realize that we're not really good judges of this. And you were telling me a story earlier that I think to me helps me have a bit more confidence in God's forgiveness and his requirements Mm -hmm. because I've experienced in myself my inability to really know if I am, have been sinned against via this idea of standing. So So, yeah, let me tell this story. So it's actually a, a two-parter, I guess, because it's actually two different people's stories combined into one lesson that I learned. And the first story, actually, I was told about this woman, my relative knew, that just took offense very easily and felt it very hard to forgive people. So it would take offense over things like, oh, you didn't like the table display? You didn't comment on the table display that I had that I spent so much time doing and I felt very proud of. You didn't comment on it. And that's a sin against me. Like, that's how she really felt. She felt very much offended. And she felt like she had to forgive someone who didn't notice some time she'd spent on a table display. And we would argue, well, that's not really a wrongdoing. That was her misperception of what was really going on. That was her misperception of their attitude toward her, really. And it reminded me of when my sister, a story my sister had told me about when she had had her first daughter and her postnatal hormones were just going crazy. And she said, and I was there with her at the time, and she had said that looking back, she realized she had perceived things in a very wrong way. So one of the things that had happened was we'd put the baby in this little baby swing and she saw her her newborn daughter in the swing and she freaked out. She was like, get her out, get her out, get her out. And she was so scared. She's like, she she could die in there. And we're like, whoa, that's an overreaction. And it was much later, she was planning to either get rid of that swing or give it away. She wasn't sure if someone could fix the swing so that it would be safe for a kid. Right. And um, I I honestly don't remember that part of the story very well. But what I remember her saying is that she had like turned it on again and realized that the swing was not going fast. She said, I really saw it going so quickly that I thought the baby would fly out of it and like that it was very unsafe. And then when I saw it, turned it on again and tried to get it going as fast as I I had seen it, she thought with her own eyes, (laughs) she's like, it wasn't fast. It was a very gentle rocking. And she said, I really did perceive it that way. But now with her second daughter, she's like, I don't have quite the same worries as I did because I realized that sometimes I see things the wrong way. And you feel them the wrong you way. You feel them the wrong yeah. way. You perceive them the wrong way. Yeah. And so she was very upset with us at the time that we were being so callous and cavalier with her newborn daughter and not realizing she'd actually seen the situation the wrong way. Yeah. And I think this is kind of the starting point for the difficulty, our difficulties 
with trusting God with this issue of forgiveness is because, well, we are so flawed in our ability to recognize what does and does not warrant forgiveness. Yeah. Um, so this idea of standing, so this, this lady who felt like if you don't notice my table arrangements, you've done, you've done harm against me. Mm-hmm. I think I actually have heard there's this podcast called The Deconstructionists. And, well, they're deconstructing traditional Orthodox Christianity. And there was this one guy who asked, like, do you really think that your sins deserve to be eternally punished in hell? And the guy was like, no, I really don't. Mm. And I think this is the thing where we have to say, okay, who has the standing? Mm -hmm. Who has the standing to forgive Mm -hmm. sins and who has the perspective Mm -hmm. to see all things rightly. Mm -hmm. Well, it is not us. It is not us. So we see the swing going crazy and we're losing it or Mm -hmm. the other way around. Right. But the point is, is to have those moments where you kind of really can feel my view of sin is not what it ought to be. And God is not counting things against me that shouldn't be counted against me. And he's counting all things fairly. And I think that's a good place to rest. He's not condemning you for things like not noticing a table arrangement. (laughs) He's, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think we do injustice towards God to kind of doubt his ability to see the truth here. He really sees truth. He has, he has a perspective. He has the standing. And, and I think that that is a a place that we have to rest or this is never going to make sense. Mm -hmm. It really won't because, you know, we'll be like, why are you freaking out so much? We're going (laughs) to view it like the lady who's freaking out over you not apologize or noticing or complimenting her about her tablescape. I don't, is that a word? Tablescape? Mm -hmm. That's well done. Thank you. <laughs> you know, so I think I think we do have to be looking to scripture to tell us what the Bible says about God's character. And I think this side of his justice is one that we really struggle with today. But it's not just us today. I was reading through Micah, um, I think it was just yesterday, and Micah is coming to Judah. It's the Israel had been divided by this mm-hmm. time into Judah in the south and Israel in the north. And he was giving them some bad news, saying like, you guys are going to be destroyed because you're sinning against God. And this is what the people of Judah are saying back. They say, do not prophesy, their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. And they go on to say, should it be said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord angry? Does he do such things? And I thought that those questions, is the spirit of the Lord angry? Does Mm -hmm. he do such things? Really fits with the way our society feels about God, which is to say that he is offended by these things, that he will require payment from these things, seems to be a little view of God. Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier that, you know, if someone, you know, makes a little jab at me and I get all offended about it, you'd say, be the bigger person. And it's like they're saying, God is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And this blog that I came across said, before the majesty of God's holiness and love, all the sin of the world is little more than an annoying flea jumping around on the ground by his foot. Sin is not that big of a deal for God. (laughs) And I think we are asking, many people are asking, 
Is the Spirit of the Lord really angry? Does he really do such things? And the next line that Micah says in return, I think, is so key. Do not my words do good to him whose ways are upright. And this is really ultimately it. God's righteousness, his absolute holiness, is actually a good thing for Mm -hmm. the upright. It's those of us who sin, like all of us. (laughs) Which is all of us, yeah. who, Who really start asking the question, God, this doesn't really bother God, does it? And I think we need to really capture again the beauty of God's holiness Mm -hmm. or else none of this forgiveness thing, the idea that forgiveness is given to us and that payment was still even then required is going to make any sense. And it's, to me, I was just picturing when we're talking about the, like the beauty of his holiness, the idea that we would want God to be tainted by sin so that more can be condoned or more can be like the idea of anything being tainted by sin is really shameful. And yet at the same time, I know people, not necessarily people who are at all Christians, but I know people that actually kind of want things to be a bit dirty. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. they, they are attracted to gritty, gritty and, and dirty things. It's raw. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. whole idea. And, and at the same time, for me, the idea of seeing something beautiful stained in any way, I find it kind of gross. And I'm sure that that feeling, that's a godly, like a Mm God-given desire to see purity maintained. Yes. And I also notice in myself, when I'm around people who are better than me, Mm -hmm. a desire for them to stop being so good. Like, like, no, (laughs) no, seriously. It reveals your sin. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like, like, I almost want to make it seem like they're being a little ridiculous. And I think this That's is how I feel with you all the time, Laura. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, I know. You're totally kidding. That's the way I feel with you. <laughs> it's not funny to joke about that if you really that. don't mean it. <laughs> Anyway, so I've I've been struggling with this for years because I think I'm a spiritually competitive person, which yeah. mostly just means I'm like, you know. I struggle with being self-righteous, mm-hmm. which is what I think is really stoking this question of, does God require, like, can forgiveness exist without the shedding of blood? Mm-hmm. You know, is sin really so bad that a payment must be required or God's justice somehow is... Do we still want God's justice in the midst of his grace? Right. Or do we want him to really just get, just uh, put aside that part of his his character? Do I think, and I think most of us really want to get rid of that part of his character. At least, at least it's it was really fascinating. I do recommend that people watch the American Gospel Christ Crucified movie. It's long; it's three hours, but Mm -hmm. it was really shocking seeing how many large profile people were saying things that were really explicitly saying. I do not like this God. I do not like this God. They want to create God in their own own image image. instead. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the real difficulty. The more, the more that I, I look at our church, because I'm trying, I, especially since we started this podcast, I'm like, I really do want us to investigate truth of God's word. And sometimes that's going to be apart from the church culture that we know. And as I've been doing that, I I discover how much church culture that is not biblical is ingrained in me Mm -hmm. and in my understanding of things. Yeah. And so a lot of that then leads to a desire to create a God that fits where I'm comfortable at spiritually or even in the way I do any religious activity. And that could lead us into a whole 
different branch of this subject, I think. And so we're out of time. <laughs> we're going to have to pick it up in the next episode, like we said at the beginning. We'll probably post both of these together. So I hope you have time to listen to both. But if you don't, we've split it into two and, and take your time. But we're going to look again at what forgiveness is and, and all that that encompasses. 